0: coaches welcome to the united basketball and leadership podcast i'm your host matt smith thanks so much for joining us before we get to our guest today kate laville i want to mention dr dish our loyal sponsor for four years now uh, dr dish has been with us since the beginning if you want your players to have an effective workout that's efficient and also doesn't take a lot of time you need to buy dr dish mention the podcast and receive 300 off the dish of your choice i'm excited about today's guest former NCAA lacrosse coach, author, speaker, consultant. She does so many things to help coaches grow. I'm excited to welcome Kate Lavelle to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming, Kate.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, it's it's good to have uh, guests that aren't just basketball coaches. We get tons of basketball coaches, but you were an NCA lacrosse coach, which we'll talk about, but you've also shifted towards you're an author, a consultant. I mean, you really work hard to help coaches. So what kind of led you to where you are now, where you want to be a consultant to help reach those of us who are coaches and help us to meet our full potential. Uh,
1: you know what? I, uh, I did everyone a big favor by going out there and doing it all wrong first, uh, so that you all don't have to. So I went out there as a, um, you know, as a coach, I played sports growing up and jumped into coaching when my kids were little as something to kind of mostly to get me out of the house. <laughs> and, uh, Moved through youth coaching, went into high school coaching. Um, did some basketball, did some soccer, lots of sports in there, and mainly lacrosse. That was my that was my big sport that I grew up playing. And I worked for US Lacrosse as a coach's education trainer, and I learned some really amazing things about facilitating and and teaching and speaking, and just really fell in love with it. And uh, ended up connecting with John Gordon uh, down the road in an airport, and he brought me on his speaking team. Uh, and I ended up taking some some blogs that I was writing that were getting a lot of views. And uh, I wrote my first book based on my transformation as a coach. And, and don't get me wrong. I was um, I was a very loving, passionate coach and I was prepared and I really cared about my athletes. We had a lot of fun and I thought that that was enough. And what I discovered is it's just not. And so that was kind of the beginning of my journey. And, uh, and now I want to pass it along because I wish somebody could have helped me and saved me some of that pain that I had to go through to get where I am now.
0: You know, all the things you just described, passionate, kind coach, prepared kids had fun. A lot of people are thinking, Oh my gosh, that, that what else is there? So what do you, what were you missing or what ingredient did you think, man, that we, I didn't have that, that you kind of, uh, you know, we're led to later on.
1: Yeah. And those things are all great things to have. You know, you want to be passionate, you want to be fun. And um, what I was missing was how do you connect to the athletes of today? Because the only thing that I knew about leadership was what I learned when I was playing. And that's what I refer to, and many people refer to as old school coaching. And it was leave your problems at the door. You know, you come yeah. in here, you're focused on the sport, you're focused on practice. If you've got an issue with a player, you need to work it out. Um, if you're unhappy about something, you need to advocate for yourself. and and um, you know, I don't want to hear from your parents. I don't want to hear from anybody. And right. it was just this very much pulling a yeah. curtain shut. And what I discovered um, when the reality of coaching sets in, and the higher the level you get, or the more people are paying, either way, um, the scarier what's happening behind the curtain becomes. And eventually the curtain isn't held back, and you know you're shocked by how bad it's gotten. And uh, I, what I had to learn was, I need to approach things in a different way and stop treating my athletes like robots that have no emotions and are just, you know, I'm going to plug in this play and I'm going to plug in this over right. here, these pieces around. And it made us win games until it didn't, until the yeah. culture destroyed it. And even though we had the best talent, you know, nobody wanted to play anymore. And I didn't want to coach anymore. And I thought, this cannot be it. <laughs> There's right. got to be something else because this is miserable. And I used to love coaching. Uh, and I, had, I just had to find another way to do it.
0: I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I've got to ask this question since, since it came up. Um, so coaches listening are thinking, man, how you're right. I've got to fundraise and I've got to drive the bus and I've got to do this and and we've got to win. How do I have time or how can I do it in a very efficient manner that's caring? But also, I can't sit down every day and say, hey, guys, go through our checklist. If I'm a football coach with 85 players, right, how can you meet those players emotionally? But also still do your job because it sounds a little overwhelming to do all of it well.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that was my first mistake: was I tried to separate it. So here is team building, which is you can go buy team building books, and there's great ones, and I love team building activities. But you can have team building on one side, and now it's time to practice. Now it's time to do this, and that's what I was trying to do. And I also felt the same way as in you know I coached in Minnesota um, when they were developing in lacrosse, and so we had two weeks not an exaggeration we had two weeks from the start of tryouts until our first game talk about not having time hmm. and we were usually inside in a gym no nets no equipment sometimes tennis balls um with kids who had never played before so you want to talk about not having time to like you know have our team right. I, I didn't have it i didn't have it um so what i had to learn to do was every way that i coached had to be enmeshed with this culture piece and so every piece of feedback had to be built around belief statements of you're not doing this really well right now. And I'm all about being real. I really don't have that setting where I can tell people they're doing a great job. Just like, you know, I, I know those people and they're really happy and wonderful. Yeah. I just, I'm never going to be one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how it is. However, I, if I tell someone they're not doing a good job and what they hear is, you know, no matter what you do, I'm never going to see it, uh, they're defeated. They feel like you're telling them you're not good enough. And you Mm -hmm. could phrase it any way you want to, but they're hearing I'm not good enough. So you have to build belief statements. You're not doing it right now. It's not happening, but I've seen it in you. I brought you onto the team because I know what you're capable of. Our team as a whole is better when you're here doing your best. That's how powerful you are. Mm -hmm. But it only happens when you bring your best and you're not there right now. So my job as a coach is to help you get there, is to help you understand why you're not there and to ask you what you can commit to to help yourself get there. And I'm ready, let's dig in. You know, where do you think you are, 1 to 10? You know, are you a 6? Hey, what can we do to make it a 10? And it's all about building belief so that when they leave that interaction, they're saying, you know, wow, I don't want to let coach down. Mm-hmm. They really believe in me. Oh my all gosh, right. I had no idea I was that valuable and I've been holding back thinking that I'm not worthy. And it's our job to help them see their value before we push them because otherwise we're just pushing them over a cliff. (laughs) We want to push them. towards. Want to help them see the vision. That's the biggest difference for me was it's infused in everything I do.
0: So for coaches who are listening again, maybe there's a new coach. Uh, Well, here's an example. I just got a, this podcast released later on. I just got a brand new head coaching job today. I'm taking over a program that I have not coached. I'm leaving a program, which is very tough. I'm taking over a really good program here in the uh, North Georgia area. So I'm going to be walking in with a brand new group of guys, a lot of first year coaches listening, or there's a guy listening or a girl like, man, I've been doing it kind of this transactionary, like, hey, you play hard and I keep you playing time and it's just back and forth. How do you even start to change the model? Does it start with a bunch of one-on-one meetings with a team or like, how do you even get to that mindset? Because what you said was great. I really, you know, you talk to players and here's why you're here. We believe in you. But if a coach has been just kind of the old school, for lack of a better phrase, for 15 years and they want to change it, it's going to be like culture shock to the players and to them as well. What are some basic steps that a, guy could, a coach can take is what I'm trying to get to?
1: Yeah, you know, it's all about relationships. If somebody gives you feedback and you just imagine, um, you know, you could imagine this at work. Somebody who doesn't talk to you very often or just kind of, Bark shoulders at you once in a while gives you feedback, there's a part of you that wonders, are they just doing this for their own agenda? You know, you you question it. Um, If someone who you know has your best interest at heart, meaning you have a relationship with them and you know they care about you and where you're going, if that person wants to give you feedback, a lot of times either you're going to seek it out Mm -hmm. or you're very welcoming to it when it comes to you. And so when we find that kids are are not, um, and I say kids, but they, you know, range in all ages, but we they're not accepting the feedback it's often because they don't have that relationship and they don't have that trust built yet and if you come in behind um let's say you take over a program and the coach before you really destroyed the culture and kind of and they've got some wounds right and when you come in you can't come in and just okay it's going to be great here's my way of doing it you have to be ready to you know take on the fact that i didn't cause the wounds but I have to heal them before I can move forward. Mm-hmm. And it may not seem fair, um, but it is the way it is. And they're going to continue to keep you under a microscope until they feel safe. And you just got to know that it's not about you. It's not an ego thing. It's just they're wounded and, and they need to, you know. and they're trying to decide you know, what do they mean by that. And so it's going to take a little bit mm-hmm. of time, but if you continually support, uplift, and give them feedback in a belief statement that helps them believe that they are capable of more. And, and you know, Davo Sweeney is, is great when he says he's, he's an overachiever, he's an overbeliever. Uh, mm-hmm. If we can believe so much in our team and in our athletes that they can't help but, you know, kind of take that on, it's contagious, mm-hmm. then you have a really powerful team. This is the difference between first half and second half. Um, you know, when you're down, are you gonna come back or are you gonna implode? And the ones that have that belief can kind of look at this, you know, crazy situation and, you know, almost be delusioned into thinking I can overcome anything so much. They do it. Um, They just don't have those doubts. You build that kind of culture. You're not going to lose. It's it's really powerful.
0: That's good. I want to come back to some of these points in a, in a minute, but before we, before I forget, um, I want to talk, your first book was superpower. Correct. Was that your first book? Um,
1: My, my most recent book was superpower. Okay. Um, Sorry.
0: Sorry. Your most recent was superpower.
1: Power. My first book is um, technically I wrote a lacrosse book, but um, "Confessions of an Imperfect Coach" is actually my transformation coach, uh, my transformation story as a coach and uh, an experiment, I ran on my team, having no idea what would happen. I took over a new team in Georgia, actually, um, and ended up it, it wasn't a very strong team, and we ended up, you know, going all the way into the final four, and it was it was really wow. incredible it was based on the sh- my shifting belief of what positivity is. And that was something that I was taught by, by John. But my, my um, other book that is, um, you know, obviously stick together with, with John Gordon was, um, you know, was great, you know, uh, all over the place, over 60 yeah. years out there now, in, in the past two years. And then I, and then superpower came out last year.
0: So on the um, book about unleashing your authentic, greatness how what does that even mean to you like how i mean that's such a unique title you're talking about as a coach the, the self-doubt a coach has you're talking about transferring that to your team that can go in a variety of directions coaches i want to talk to you for just a second about why you should seriously consider getting a dr dish first of all their payment plan system is unreal 12 months no interest i paid half up front And then I paid the other half over the next 365 days, and I have a brand-new Dr. Dish CT. On top of that, it's just the best shooting machine out there. The CT is so user-friendly, as are all their shooting machines. So reach out to Dr. Dish. Tell them you heard about them on the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast, and receive a discount. You won't regret it. Your players will get better. They'll get shots up, more reps up, and you'll become a better basketball team. Reach out to Doctor Dish. Follow them on all social media at Doctor Dish B-Ball. Now back to our guest.
1: Yeah, superpower is um, is really a journey of inst- instead of kind of um, you know, gosh, how do I start? You know, when I when I was coaching as a brand new coach. I got caught up in and I see a lot of coaches do this in how we looked like it was really important to me that we came out in two straight lines and that everybody had the same socks on and and like they had to vote on it. We're going to wear leggings, you know, tonight or not, because I mean, I wanted them to look the part. I thought that was really important. And we want to psych out the other team. And I was just focused on the dumbest things. That I, and I see new coaches do it all the time. Um, and it was all about creating this image. And what I have realized is that our power is not in how we match. <laughs> um, I'm replaceable if I do what the person next to me does because someone else can do it. So the way, you know, that brings us together. The way that we are all, you know, similar and the interests that we have that that we share, it brings us together that makes us a group. But what we add that's completely unique. That's where we add value. Nobody else can do that. And so if you can embrace where you're different from everybody else around you and you can pour that in authentically 100%, no one can replace you. No one can do it the way you do it. Um, it turns around the script of you don't fit in here, you don't belong, you're doing it differently, um, into a compliment. You know, if someone says you don't fit in here, it's thank you so much. Like
0: right, you,
1: something different. And you know, it was combined with kind of releasing this self doubt, but also um, with with so many athletes, their biggest issue is confidence. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's hesitation. It's fear um it's internalizing it's taking what you're saying and and twisting it into a negative statement even though it wasn't because their head is is kind of programmed that way and we had all these kids after covid you know just this huge spike mental health suicides you know and i watched it unfold and and i just thought there's got to be something you know where we can reach people and say you know what you don't need to look like that instagram influencer or, or that person that just got the scholarship that you want in order to do all of those things, in fact, you can do it greater and bigger and better mm-hmm. because you are different, different experiences, different talents, all of those things. So that whole thing, um, superpower really is a journey of figuring out who you are as a unique person and then being so incredibly grateful and excited to share it, as well as seeing it in others and helping to bring it out of them and welcoming that and um, just to help bring us all back together.
0: Yeah, that's a great point about players sometimes feel like that have to fit the Cookie cutter mold of what the coach or the environment is, but it's like no, no. That means we're all alike. We may have, we may have 15 players, but we we really have one player. If you all try to be the exact same, so yeah, be different. Dare to be different. You, what your personality, the skill set, whatever it may be. And I think that's tough for teenagers. I mean, that can be very tough. I mean, I coach teenage boys, um, but to build that relationship where they have that trust with their coach and their and their teammates to be their authentic self be who they are right and not try to just fit fit this mold I think that's a man that's such a great challenge as a leader to convince your players like I don't want to use the word safe space but I this is a safe area for you like I put you on the team because I like who you are as a person and an athlete that makes sense
1: yeah absolutely and and I think that um you know where we get tripped up as coaches is that a lot of us say the right things, but we celebrate the things we're told to celebrate and that we, you know, we've all, we do things the way they've always been done. And so we walk into that season and we think, I'm, you know, I, I really love effort. Like that actually excites me more than the goals. I love when somebody cuts through and makes space and sets somebody else up. You know, you have your, your shooter, you have an assist, you get points. Um, but the person who made space so that this could start, you know, that's, they don't get anything for that. Right. But I really right. love that. You tell them, I really love seeing people, um, you know, raising people up on the sideline and, and supporting and staying after to help a teammate, all of these things, or helping them pass a class so that they can stay mm-hmm. eligible. Yeah. All these things, right? Give them a ride to practice. I don't know. Um, you know, but what are we giving awards for? And what do we call out? Yeah. That everybody does. And these athletes do not hear what we're saying, they watch what we're doing. And so if we celebrate, goals but we're telling them we love effort they're going after the goals if we tell them we celebrate effort and at the end of every practice you know we got a grab bag and we're picking out the top effort givers and we're telling them go grab something out of the grab bag and we're recognizing them with an award at the end of the season yeah. and this person put out effort every single day you know that is powerful they're watching what we celebrate and in games you know if we're telling them you know what make a mistake you know go 100 percent. it's okay And then we yell at them when we pull them out. You know, what were you thinking? We're giving them conflicting messages. So we really clear as coaches, what is important to us and what do we celebrate? And it doesn't mean we don't celebrate winning because I've had people tell me this before. Yeah, but I like to win. Well, I know you don't know me, but I don't like to lose more than anybody. I compete with everybody. I don't care if I'm eating lunch next to you. If you're on the treadmill in front of me at the gym, I'm racing you. You have no idea. Um, You know, I I like to win. But the thing is, you don't win by focusing on winning. You win by getting everyone to be firing at all cylinders all the mm-hmm. time, by getting them to be excited, passionate, to love the game, to not fear you know, competition, to not fear your reaction. And when you build a culture like that, mm-hmm. the performance rises without having to focus on the winning. You still celebrate the win. Of right. course, not. that's why we compete. Um, but we work on the things that create a winning environment. You know, and the other thing we were saying about just time If we create an environment where people are okay to, you know, make mistakes and where they feel welcomed and they don't have fear and there's not punishments happening all the time, then the learning environment becomes, you know, really strong. And what I've noticed is that the learning curve of the teams that I have taken over has been very steep. And when people ask me why, I say, even though I spend extra time on culture, that culture means they learn faster because Mm -hmm. they show up more they right. work harder when they're there. I have shorter practices, I have less practices. Um, the kids love it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, "Hey, you guys put out a strong effort. We only need this much practice. We mm-hmm. only need this much time and and we're going to knock it out and we're going to get it done." And so it's and you're not spending so much time putting out fires. You've really gotten ahead of some of the issues that come forward. We have conversations all the time, you know, what what do you think was the biggest challenge last year? What do you think people got in trouble for the most last year and how did it impact the team? And I let them tell me as much as possible. You know, you tell me what you see in this situation. How would you have done it differently? What do you think we could have put in place to keep that from happening? What would you like to put in place this time? You know, did you feel tempted to take a part in that? Did you take a part in it? You know, what what led you to that? And so instead of this judgmental thing, it's, hey, let's attack this as a problem because I love you as a person. And you know what? We all make mistakes and make bad decisions, but let's talk about how we can make it better.
0: You know, you alluded to something when coaches are like, well, I don't have time for this culture thing. I want to win. It's not like some people think, I think it's less and less because there's so many great culture groups and builders and you know, social media can help us follow really good people like yourself or John Gordon. But it's like, no, no, it's not an either or. You're going to win more with a great culture. and And when you are down. In that game, we expect to be. You're not going to be barking at each other and tearing each other down. You're going to believe that together we can overcome this. I think we've seen some great examples in the NCAA men's and women's tournament about that. But yeah, it's not. I want to win. I don't have time for culture. It's like I want to win more, so I better invest more culture. And like you said, it makes it more fun and more enjoyable. Because there's a lot. There's coaches listening, and I've been a coach of some of these teams. You can work as hard as you want to. You're the least talented team most nights. You're going to lose a lot of games. It just happens. You have those years, but if you enjoy being around each other, you have trust. You care for each other. You might sneak a sneak off two or three of, those, of these wins that you might not have normally. And if you're really, really exceptional, like Baylor was several years ago, Baylor men's program, you might win the whole thing. And culture can help bring you over that final that final step.
1: Yeah, I think this the culture piece is is really key and you're going to see the teams when they're getting the pressure on them and they're down, uh, they're starting to struggle and you see them start to turn on each other instead of towards each other. And the most powerful moment for me was, you know, I would call them in to give them some instructions. A lot of times we only get two timeouts in lacrosse, which is really difficult for the entire game, two timeouts. So I would call them over to the sideline, whichever, you know, end I was on, because I'd have that whole sideline and we'd have a little huddle and I could talk to them while they were setting up for the next play. And What I realized was about halfway through the season, they had learned that from me and they didn't need to come to the sideline anymore. They were doing it themselves. They were Mm. getting together. They were giving each other advice. It wasn't, you know, they weren't accusing or blaming. They were giving suggestions. They were saying that works really well. Keep doing that and I'm gonna join on this corner and we're gonna, you know, trap that person here. I mean, they were starting to see solutions because instead of every time I talked to them, me pointing out mistakes, we always looked at how can we do that better? And when you look at it as how can we do it better, you're still looking at the mistake. But you're looking at it in a way that says, we can conquer this. Let's move forward. Um, Instead of, you know, know, they take everything really personally and take it home with them and and think it through a million times. You know, they're already hard on themselves. Let's help them get through it. That's what a coach does. That's what we have to remember is our role. A lot of times we come out with these judgment statements. And I actually sat on and I'm kind of nerdy I like to I like to research things so um I actually sat on a sideline at a tournament and I went to a couple um in different places and I just took a notebook and I wrote down what I overheard the coaches saying in uh in little meetings and huddles Mm -hmm. and it was it was really um first of all it was terrifying some of it was terrifying
0: (laughs) oh oh, I can't imagine yeah
1: I I was so excited but there were things like you know you're lazy you guys are slow you're out of shape. You don't want this. You don't care. You don't even want to be here. You know. You don't. You guys didn't even do anything in the off season, and it's all these labels. And the thing is, we can't tell somebody else they don't care. We have no idea.
0: Right. The people
1: who care the most typically are the ones that are the most upset and angry. So they look like they don't care or they're disassociated because they're hurt because they care so much. Right. You know, we can't tell someone that. And, um, and some of these work for five-year-old kids, <laughs> you yeah. know, like even training the off season, like, no, I was in kindergarten. Coaching yeah. Something.
0: Right. I'm here for the orange slices and the banana
1: juice. And my friend like, you know, yeah. I joined the team with them. Um, and so it's really the way that we speak to them is, is so powerful, but they learn it and they are a reflection of us. And mm-hmm. so when we stand in front of a team and we tell them, you guys are hesitating, you're slow, you're lazy, whatever it is, they're reflecting back whatever we're putting out to them. And so if if we are not coaching effectively, we're going to get that mirror image back. Um, And it's our job to change our approach to one that reaches them rather than keep telling them it's your problem. I'm giving you everything you need. Now you have to do it. If you're in a classroom and you're teaching the ABCs, and, you know, they keep mixing the letters up. You can't just yell at them and tell them they're lazy. Right. It would come up with a different activity right. to help them, But it gets completely yeah. lost in sports. You know, yeah. just yell louder.
0: Or just run. <laughs> so, okay, you covered an example earlier where you pull the player over and you say, hey, I believe in you and here's why. You know, so when you're talking to a whole group of players, do you carry, do you change the verbiage or terminology a little or you, were you talking pretty much the same way? So let's just say your team, like, you know they can play harder. You know that just something's off for whatever reason. When you huddle up or get them in the halftime where you don't just dog them, how's a way to speak to the whole group at one time that can be effective in your experience?
1: I like to ask what they're seeing. I like to ask uh, where they think we are. Uh, you know, I love, I got this from John, you know, this one to 10 thing I, is, is one of my favorite things to ask is, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how confident do you guys feel with, with the plays you're running right now? You know, do we need to scrap those this game? Maybe, maybe we're not ready for that yet. You know how, I mean, obviously I'm going to make executive decisions. And after I get feedback from them, I'm going to give them what I want them to do. I'm still leading the ship, but it's really important that I understand because I'm not in their shoes and I'm not out there, um, that I understand what they're seeing and what's going on. And, you know, we talk about, you know, depending how much time I have. I mean, if we're in the middle of a game and they come off, I'm not like, you know, I think you're really great. And I don't give them six paragraphs. Right. I don't, have to do that. do but I tell them you can do better this than this. I believe, I believe in you, you know, and, and, and then here's the instruction, right. you know, um, you're getting beat on the backside, you know, you turn around, turn your feet, whatever it is. It's like, it's just, they get so used to though, being told in those ways that, that I believe in them, that I can shorten it you know to the point where i can just give them the instruction after a certain amount of time because of right. the relationship but you have to build the relationship all in the preseason you know leading up to that moment as a group um halftime i will tell you one of my greatest moments that it made me look like an amazing coach was uh you know we went out to this was during this experiment that i was running on my team when i was kind of transforming and my first year of coaching we went to the state tournament and we were not playing well and I it was I was a new coach and very young and I just at halftime I had all almost all freshmen. We I mean we had done something unheard of going to the oh. state tournament with all these young kids. Was it the, was
0: this the school in Georgia?
1: This was the one. This is one in Minnesota, and okay. so it's halftime, and people are just they're running through us like water, you know. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't have anything to give you because you're just not playing. Like you guys are like like deer in the headlights, you know. Mm. They were just nervous. And so I just kind of told him, if you want to play, sit over here. If you don't want to play, sit over here. You know, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I was right. like, I was at a loss, and and I was frustrated and I was embarrassed. You know, my ego was was in there. You know, and and so th- this next season, when I was kind of you know, transforming, and I said, okay, I'm never doing that again. That was the worst halftime speech ever. But we're three to seven at halftime, and we're trying to get into the final four, and they're looking at me like, Coach, we believe you when you told us we could do this and I'm like oh <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't have any adjustments it was the exact same scenario we're playing against people with experience who'd been in you know the the championships every year and we'd never been there you know this is a, a younger team and so I just said all right guys all I'm gonna have you do because I had no adjustments um you guys are gonna sit around in a circle I want you to tell each other you know t- shout somebody out and tell them something they did that got us here mm. to put us in this position to play this game and, or shout out something that was really hard that we overcame or something that we've never done before that we did this year. Tell me, tell me about that. And we spent the entire halftime doing that, huddled up, you know, gave a cheer, and went back out there, and they scored three goals in the first minute. Wow. Uh, and We never looked back, and we won. It, we won 13-10. Um, so we reversed the score, 7-3 seven, seven, in the second half. And, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, what did you do? What did you change? And I said, nothing. I, didn't, I changed their belief, and mm-hmm. really they did that. That's how powerful, I mean, that's how much I, I had realized belief is everything. Um, and when I, if you go into halftime and you tell them you're not getting it done and, you know, you're playing terrible and your head's are up, your are you know, whatever is, you know, like, yeah. that does not motivate people. Right.
0: Well, <laughs> no. it also, it also shows that it wasn't an X as an O issue, right? Yeah. Like y'all talked about other things, I like, what has so and so done? What can you do? And you didn't draw a bunch of stuff up and sound like this was about belief and execution and just being the best version of themselves. And a lot of times we think, Oh, it's another play, it's another this and it's not. It's really not. I would say most coaches honestly know enough basketball or baseball or football or lacrosse at this point in their career and they're okay. It's the other things they need to build on um to be to help their team reach their full potential. Yeah,
1: and it's funny that the, the places where you're weak a lot of times, then you end up um end up becoming the place where you lead others. And that was absolutely true for me. I couldn't even have told you what culture was when I started this journey. I mean, someone, I couldn't, I knew kind of what it was, but I couldn't have put it into words. And now, now I can, now it rolls off my tongue. Now I know what culture is. And I know, um, you know, I know I need to be aware of, you know, of when I'm talking to any athlete, in fact, anybody in general, I am looking for the posture change. So when I'm giving someone feedback, I want to see them fill up, their shoulders come up. I want to see that, okay, I've got this. I can take this on. And the second I see their head drop or they start to look away or their shoulders drop, I need to change course. Hmm. Because I'm taking, I'm now emptying the bucket instead of filling the bucket. And it doesn't matter if I'm giving them praise or feedback or telling them, even if they're doing something, breaking a rule, I still want their posture to say, I believe I can do what needs to be done. And it's my job as a coach to get them there. And I have a theme that I've had uh, for all of coaching, and that is build, not break. And so everything comes back to that. And that is my role for my team. I don't have a whole bunch of rules. Um, If read stick together, you know, we say that if you have a lot of love, you don't need a lot of rules. Mm -hmm. Um, And so build, not break is, you know, first of all, do they need to hear this? Yes uh, is it true? Yes. Right. We've all been taught that. Like, right. And, and then usually people just unleash, you know, like, all right, it's just- <laughs> they usually do need to hear it. Right. My third question I ask myself is, will my delivery of this information build our relationship, build their belief, build their motivation, build, um, you know, build their excitement, their passion for the game, whatever, or will it break? Is it going to break our relationship is it going to break their trust in me is it going to break their belief that they can do this and the delivery matters we cannot pack something up in a garbage bag and then yell at them and say why didn't you open my present um you know we need to package it in something where they think and believe they're giving me something of value Uh, and so it, it matters and i ask them as teammates before you speak to your you know to your fellow team before you speak to me before you speak to your parents when you get home ask yourself, is this going to build us as a team or is it going to break us down? And if it's going to break us down, you need to think on it and you need to come up with another delivery method. So it's not packed in a garbage bag with duct tape. That's good.
0: I think delivery method is one of my major weaknesses. Like what I have is good, but it's, it's so hard and intense moment not to, not to just sound angry or sound, I would say, well, it's just passion. Well, if it's passion and everyone else thinks you're angry and mad, maybe rethink or practice or have some assistant coach give you some like hand signal, like, um, uh-uh, you need to something. Right. Cause I think that's a lot these, a lot of coaches, they, they truly care. There's some, they care. They, they give hundreds of hours for very little pay. They, they do care, but sometimes we just get caught up in the, the winning and losing or the I'm going to lose my job or I'm going to email by a parent in the morning that we just, you know, the caring doesn't come across and it can be very difficult at times. You know,
1: it's it's really hard to juggle. And I used to be really overwhelmed by it um, because part of it was I was holding on way too tight. Um, You know, how the team was put together and what was on the scoreboard and where our standings were became a part of my identity. And as soon as that happened, it's very difficult to take your ego out of things. Mm-hmm. And what I had to do was I had to give the team back to the team. And I had to remember I am leading the team, but it's not my team, it's their team. And so what do they wanna get out of this experience? You know, and I wanna know at the beginning of every season from each player, and I, if they're you know, youth or high school, you know, below college, I wanna know from the parents, what would you, you know, consider, how would you consider this to be a successful season if they got, you know, ABC, whatever it is? I want to know what you want out of this experience because it's my job to get that for you. Um, you know, but overall, I, I know I want to develop you as people and as, as athletes. I want you to be better. Um, I want to leave them better than, than I found them, right? And no. that, that's the goal. Cool. But rather than trying to balance all of these, you know, dramas and things that are coming in and parent phone calls, I just had to just make my purpose very simple. And at each interaction that I went through, instead of being so tied to the outcome, just going, okay, I want this to be beneficial. If it's a difficult conversation with a parent, it's you know, I want this to be beneficial for them. I want this to be beneficial to the program. And so mm-hmm. um, it, it just pulls that ego aside a little bit and it pulls though, well, I'm trying to win. And it's hard to have a conversation with parents and tell them, look, there's 24 kids on this team only 12 can be on the field. I'd love to start them all, but it's illegal. Like, right. I even if I, even if you were all the best players in the world, I still can't start 24. It's just not how it works. You know, and, and some days you're going to be, you know, like John says, you're going to be the star, and some days you're going to support mm-hmm. the star. And that is right. true for any athlete out there. So um, just kind of stepping back, and, and instead of looking at everything as a battle, just looking at it as how can I make this a great experience that they're going to remember and that they're going to enjoy. Um, yeah. Tucker, she's a the head coach, um, former head coach of Johns Hopkins university. She is absolutely my go-to for anything with culture because she has got it down. Um, and, and we work on a lot of projects together, but she, she knows how to balance that, that love tough so well, because she is very demanding. I mean, she expects the best and she does not accept anything less than that, but I have never seen or heard her say anything that didn't come from a place of love ever even when she's angry, even when she's frustrated. Um, and I just asked her about it. She's actually writing an article for me. And, and she said it was from her mom would always say to her growing up and all through college and all through coaching to um, play with joy, coach with joy, do everything mm-hmm. with joy. And just, it was just really powerful.
0: Yeah. I actually went and watched a friend of mine's team practice uh, this season. And on the back of their practice jerseys, they had the word joy. Yeah. Just some something unique, something constantly reminder on. Before I before we get out of here, um, one more question I want to ask you. And um, you mentioned briefly about you you build the culture, you build this environment or this attitude in, in the preseason. Are there any specific team activities, team functions, team, whatever that you think is important, or is it just some one on one meetings? And what do you, how does it start? So, for example, you know myself included, many of us would be taking over a program in June. We won't play our first basketball until around Thanksgiving. So they'll they'll play football and all that in between. But, you know, we'll get some time together. What are some things that we can do to start the process um, as coaches?
1: Yeah, you know, get to know your players and why they're there. Uh, I think that is really important to understand that everybody plays a sport for a different reason. Mm -hmm. If you can't do the one-on-ones, like when I coached college, I could build that into the day and it wasn't a problem. When you're coaching youth or high school, you don't get that much time with them. So a lot of times I'll, I'll have them get or I'll go get them from the dollar store, those composition notebooks. And it's our communication. So I'll give them to them and then they'll write in them and then they'll hand them in at the end of the week or something. And I'll, I'll give them something to, you know, to write in there. But before the season starts, I want to know, why are you playing? Um, you know, what brings you joy in your sports? I just I just want to know about them. What do you think your struggles are going to be? Part of it's getting them to reflect. And get them, you know, what will my struggles be this season? Well, I think I'm really struggling at math. You know, if I feel that I'm in trouble, or, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get to practice, or I, I don't like to get up early, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. And then we can start looking for, we're already looking for solutions before the season starts. And you're asking them, how can I support you? What can I do? What can the team do to support you? Um, you know, just that check in. And then pick two or three players at the end of you know, each practice or pick one at the end of each practice, depending on how big your team is. You know, football, obviously, you got to split them up a little. Um, and just check in. You've got to check in with your players. You know, the more you just ask them questions that they can get used to talking to you, the more likely you're going to get a real answer when you say, I think something's going on. You don't seem yourself. And mm-hmm. instead of getting fine because they don't want to look incompetent, because obviously you decide who plays, You don't
0: <laughs> right.
1: you're not going to play them. So who's going to tell you? But if they know there's already this open communication, they're going to be open. You're going to be able to attack something before it gets out of hand and, and you're just going to have a better relationship. So I think that's the, the key is get to know them. Let them get to know you yeah. and, it, that you're vulnerable. I ask my team, hold me accountable. You know what? Because some days my ego gets in there and some days I show up frustrated, just like you're going to show up after having a fight with your friend or your parents or whatever mm-hmm. you're grounded or whatever it is. Um, you know what? we. We can be human, and but we can hold ourselves and each other accountable to that, and then we can make it right, you know. And we can move forward. And so let's not have any giant snowballs um, hiding under the rug somewhere melting. Let's let's be um, let's keep this stuff out in the open and just keep the dialogue going as much as possible. Anytime there's an issue, let's just talk about it. You know what, guys, yeah. let's sit down before practice for five minutes and talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's really key: is start those conversations, and then at the beginning of the season, have them. Um, if they can journal three minutes, I mean, I'm not talking a lot of time. I know we don't have a lot of time at practice, but you know, show up five minutes early, pull out your notebook and write down one thing you personally want to focus on today to get better at. Um, one thing that are one person you would like to encourage and somebody you need to connect with because you don't know them very well. And those are your three things you're going to focus on today. Um, and that all you're doing is helping them take their brain and transition it from what was going on today to where am I now? And and you can ask them, you know, hey, you guys, let me know, where do you think you feel on your focus level, 1 to 10? Do you feel like you're out of 4? All right, in the next 10 minutes, can we get to a 6? All right, I'm going to check in again and see if we're at a 6. If we're at a 6, we're going to go ahead and we're going to move it up to an 8. Um, and all it is is getting their buy-in. They are now a part of the process. It's no longer dictator coach. It's now right B.
0: That's good. Okay, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, mention how coaches who are listening can – connect with you whether it's on your website or social media mention that please
1: yeah you got it so you can find me at katelavell.com it's l-e-a-v-e-l-l um you can pick up superpower and stick together those are both fables by the way um they're short they're um stick together is about a basketball team that one's super short but it's the seven principles to build a stronger team um so those are great team reads and i've got action plans i do workshops and talks on that and, and i work with teams all the time to help rebuild culture so Um, shoot questions over to me and and, uh, reach out if I can help with anything.